Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and today I want to focus your attention on a competent, handsome, and affordable compact SUV from Toyota that would make an ideal only car for drivers on a budget. This used vehicle comes in two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, and you can get it with either a four-cylinder or, surprisingly, a much more powerful six-cylinder engine, which is uncommon in the compact crossover SUV class. By the way, that four-wheel drive version with the six-cylinder engine is the configuration I recommend most, but any flavor would be a good choice with one notable exception and one major caveat, which I'll tell you about a little bit later in the podcast. But first, let's talk about what this compact SUV is and why you might want one. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. So, the used vehicle I want to tell you about today is the third-generation Toyota RAV4. This was sold in the U.S. for model years 2006 through 2012. This sporty, compact crossover SUV is one of my favorite smaller SUVs sold in the last 15 years. It's a go-to recommended option for me when someone says, Hey Gary, I've got about ten dollars to $12,000 to spend, and I need a single vehicle to do a little bit of everything, from people hauling, to commuting, to taking road trips, and going on weekend adventures. Well, when you select the right model year with the right features, the third-generation RAV4 can do all that and more. And that's why I love it. And also, it's why low-mile, well-maintained examples with the right feature set remain sought-after vehicles in the used car market. So now that you know what it is, let's dig into what makes the third-generation RAV4 great and why you might want one, starting with the styling. Now, I think most would agree that the third-generation RAV4, from the outside, has handsome, attractive styling that's held up pretty well over time. It looked good from the start, and even the industry-standard mid-model refresh in 2009 kept the same basic exterior design with only minor changes including a taller front grille, more inset fog lamps, at least on models that came with fog lamps, and updated taillights. I mean, that was it. Now, most people I ask think the third-gen RAV4 looks good from the front and in profile, but some people, including me, didn't love the look of the spare tire with its matching painted cover mounted on the back of the swing-to-the-side rear door. It just didn't seem right, and frankly, I was stuck in the mindset that a spare tire on a swing outdoor or frame was something that one should only see on a, quote, real, unquote, off-road capable body-on-frame SUV, like, oh, say a Jeep Wrangler or maybe a Ford Bronco. Now, the RAV4 is not that and never has been. In fact, the original RAV4 from back in 1996 was the first SUV to be built on a car chassis, not a traditional frame like a truck. Anyway, the spare tire mounted on the rear door is a practical choice, and Toyotas are almost always practical to a fault. So over time, I've just come to accept this as part of the deal with the RAV4. I've gotten used to that big kind of ugly wheel in the back. But for those whose personal style can't handle a spare on the rear door, there is the Sport Appearance Package option that came on later Sport model RAV4s that deletes the rear-mounted spare and replaces it with run-flat tires. 
We'll talk more on that a little bit later in the podcast. Now, when you step inside the RAV4, you're greeted by a practical and functional multi-level cockpit and dash that fits the mission of this vehicle. Look, it's not a luxury interior, but it does offer an attractive mix of black and silver contrasting trim that, I don't know, it just works. You have simple knobs and buttons that are arranged intuitively so you can easily operate the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning without looking. Now, to me, this is almost a safety feature and a welcome alternative to many new cars that require you to take your eyes off the road to look at a touchscreen display to do simple things like turn up the volume on the radio or change the temperature of your heat or air conditioning. I've never been a fan of that. I think it's really unsafe. So this is actually welcome. Now, all third-gen RAV4 models came with a tilting and telescoping steering wheel, plus comfortable standard cloth trim seats with a six-way manually adjustable seat for the driver and a four-way manually adjustable seat for the passenger. I mean, it's pretty easy to get comfortable in the RAV4. Now, if you want to take a step up in terms of comfort, heated leather seats were available on limited models and I think some sport models later in the run, and they came with an eight-way power-adjustable driver's seat that included a powered lumbar support. Now, the car you're looking at may or may not have this, but if you want to have leather, you're going to have to look for a car that's got leather, and it's most likely going to be a limited model. Now, seat materials for many RAV4s in this generation typically come in lighter colors, which is not my favorite on an SUV that hauls kids, pets, and stuff. But for some reason, most RAV4s I've seen have generally clean surfaces, so the seat materials Toyota use seems to hold up pretty well. Now, the back bench seat has enough space for average-sized adults, and the seats can be reclined for a bit more comfort. And for storage and passenger flexibility, the bench splits 60-40 to accommodate longer items on one side. Plus, it folds down relatively flat, opening up a very generous cargo space area behind the two front seats for hauling those really large items. And if you find a RAV4 with the available third row seat, you'll have the ability to carry two additional people. I'd say small adults or really more likely children, but it's nice to have. And when not in use, that entire row folds flat into the floor, but you do give up some small cubby space under the rear floor deck with the third row bench. Now that said, both inside and out, the overall styling of the third gen RAV4 is handsome in a subtle way. And the overall versatility in terms of seating and storage in this compact SUV is really, really tough to beat. Now, back when these were new, you could get almost any flavor of RAV4 you wanted. But the problem was, buyers were faced with choice overload. You had the base model, you had the sport model, and you had the top-end limited model. You could get any of those RAV4 models with two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. And all models of RAV4 were available with either a four-cylinder or a six-cylinder engine. Now, the good news is, every RAV4 model was pretty well-equipped so you won't be driving a penalty box no matter which one you choose. Now, because there were so many options and packages offered in various years over the seven-year run, I'll link to a 2012, which is the final year, online brochure in the show notes so you can go into depth checking available options without me going into all that detail here. Also, if you want a brochure for other years, you just copy the link and change the year from 2012 to, say, 2007 or 2008, and you'll get a PDF copy of the brochure so you can see what options were available for any year of the RAV4 in the third generation. And even better news is that today, 
I'll point you in the direction of the best years and configurations of the third generation RAV4. More on that in just a little bit. Okay, so what about fuel economy with a RAV4? Well, if getting good fuel economy is your primary concern, then a RAV4 model with a four-cylinder engine and two-wheel drive is your best choice. But if fuel economy takes a backseat to the best performance in all conditions, then a RAV4 with a six-cylinder engine and four-wheel drive is your best choice. Now, comparing the two, the four-cylinder two-wheel drive RAV4 is rated at 22 miles per gallon city and 28 miles per gallon highway with 24 miles per gallon combined, according to fueleconomy.gov. And the six-cylinder four-wheel drive model is rated at 19 city, 26 highway, and 22 miles per gallon overall. That's only a two miles per gallon difference between the two in combined fuel economy. And when you compare a four-cylinder model with four-wheel drive with a six-cylinder model with four-wheel drive, the four-cylinder model is rated only one mile per gallon better than the six-cylinder in combined fuel economy, which honestly is negligible. Now, your mileage may vary, but that said, there's only a very small penalty for getting the six-cylinder engine, but a big payoff in terms of power, and that's why I typically recommend the six-cylinder engine RAV4 with four-wheel drive. Now, speaking of power, let's compare the available engines. When the third generation RAV4 launched in 2006, you could get either a 2.4 liter four-cylinder engine that made 166 horsepower and 165 pound-feet of torque, or a 3.5 liter six-cylinder engine that made 269 horsepower and 246 pound-feet of torque. That's a difference of more than 100 horsepower and 80 pound-feet of torque between the four-cylinder and the six-cylinder engine, which, even when factoring in the additional weight of the six-cylinder model, which is maybe 150 or 200 pounds, it's amazing. Now, the four-cylinder engine was increased in displacement to a 2.5-liter engine in 2009, and that version made 179 horsepower and 172 pound-feet of torque which is an increase of 13 horsepower and 7 pound-feet of torque over the previous four-cylinder. And it was a decent motor, but, you know, the 6 just is much, much more powerful. Also, the only transmission in the four-cylinder models across all years was a four-speed automatic. The six-cylinder models all got a five-speed automatic, even though the six-cylinder's power rating remained unchanged over the seven-year run. But again, compared to either four-cylinder engine offered, the six-cylinder models had far more power and torque. And that matters when you're, you know, hauling people, hauling stuff, pulling a trailer, etc. Oh, and if you're going to pull a trailer of any size, only the six-cylinder model is going to do it. And it's got about a 3,500-pound tow rating. So you could tow a small utility trailer with the four-cylinder model. But for something big, you really need the six. So how does all that power feel once you hit the road? Well, Toyota claimed that the six-cylinder four-wheel drive models would accelerate from zero to 60 miles per hour in about seven seconds, which is relatively quick. But in various video and magazine road tests, the six-cylinder four-wheel drive third-generation RAV4 accelerates to 60 miles per hour in the low six-second range and covers the quarter mile in the upper 14-second range at close to 100 miles per hour. I mean, that's kind of a rocket ship for a small SUV. Most of them go zero to 60 in like eight and a half seconds. So low six-second range, really, really quick. 
Now, when the time this thing launched, there were exactly zero compact family SUVs with available seating for seven that could accelerate that quickly. I mean, if you wanted to go quick in an SUV at that time, you know, you had to get something like a Porsche Cayenne. And when it came to similarly priced small five-seat SUVs, only the Subaru Forester XT, with its 2.5-liter turbocharged WRX engine, offered similar performance. But in my opinion, most families looking for a multi-passenger compact SUV at that time would likely pick the larger, more versatile RAV4 with the non-turbo six-cylinder engine and four-wheel drive over the turbocharged Forester XT. Now, in terms of handling, the third-generation RAV4 handles more like a car than a truck or an SUV. It's tall, of course, and feels a little top-heavy on a winding road compared to a car, but its overall driving experience can best be described as sporty. And while there were different suspensions and tire diameter combinations between models, all RAV4s handle pretty competently, in my opinion. That said, the base model came with standard suspension and 16-inch wheels with larger diameter wheels as an option. The mid-range sport model does have more aggressive sport suspension and came with 18-inch wheels and lower profile tires. So technically, this would be the stiffest, best handling model on the road. And finally, the limited model came with standard 17-inch alloy wheels that split the difference down the middle between the 16s from the base model and the 18s from the sport model. Now, braking is on par with similar size road cars as well. In performance testing done by MotorWeek of a 2009 six-cylinder model, their RAV4 with ABS went from 60 miles per hour to zero in a very respectable 125 feet. Again, that stopping distance is more common for a car than an SUV back in 2009. So when you add it all up, the third-generation RAV4 is an attractive and versatile driving partner that offers exceptional performance, decent fuel economy on regular fuel, and plenty of room and storage for you, along with four to six passengers, depending on whether you have the optional third-row seating. And for most people, that describes their perfect only car if they can have only one. And for more on that, let's hear what owners have to say about their third-gen RAV4 experience. Okay, so what do owners really think of their third-gen RAV4s? Well, from what I can tell, doing a little research, they really like these compact SUVs. In fact, I would go so far as to say they love their RAV4s. Now, you can go to various websites on the internet that allow for used car reviews, and routinely, this particular generation of RAV4 gets really glowing reviews. It gets a big thumbs up from drivers. So... Let me just read through a few of these. These are from uh, cars.com, and this is for the 2010 model. This covered about, I think it's 149 reviews, so I'll just read a few to you, and you can get a sense of what people think of their third-generation RAV4. Okay, this first one is from Two Hat Cat from Washington, New Jersey. It's from March 7, 2021, and the title is, Toyota RAV4 was and is still my dream vehicle. And they give it a 5 out of 5 stars. Love the car. The previous owner had it brand new for 11 years and maintained the car perfectly as if it was a member of his own family. It rides very smoothly and it has enough room for our musical equipment and our guitars. Here's another one. Fast and fun to drive. Lots of room. 
September 14, 2020. This is from Bash from Fairmont, West Virginia. My V6 Limited is everything I ever wanted. It's fast, lots of power to tow with, six to the road. I think they meant to say sticks to the road. Huge compartment under the back hatch. Rear seats fold down easily for hauling things. I was going to get a forerunner. So fair, so far. I haven't found any I can't fit inside or tow behind. I have a hitch for a basket or to tow my 6x10 trailer with two 4x4 four-wheelers and all my camping supplies. Can't say enough about the power and how it grips the road, or six to the road. Uh, I'm six feet tall, 200 pounds. I love pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. I'm not into health food. I've got half a brain. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, It says I have lots of leg room, head room. The seats will go back even more for someone with longer legs. So, love the car. Here's another one. Title is, This Car is Exceptional. Great value. June 24th, 2020. This is from Mia Chicago from Chicago, Illinois. Handles really well in snow. Great cargo space. Roof rack. Extra storage. We took long trips and never feared. Back seats fold nicely. You can easily move a small apartment. Beautiful ride. I don't know if I'd call it a beautiful ride, but they they ride well. They do well. Here's another one. RAV4 are the best. October 7th, 2020. This is from KSW from Decatur, Georgia. Since my first RAV4 back in the day, I've only driven a RAV4. It's the perfect vehicle for fun, comfort, road trips, beach car, garden car, sports gear, etc., while still being a grown-up and driving it to fancy events with pride. Hmm, okay. Super reliable. This car, nor its predecessors, have been in the shop for anything besides scheduled maintenance. The only reason I'm transitioning from this car is because I have three young men with lots of buddies and we need at long last a larger vehicle. I'm assuming he has three sons. Anyway, says I have been driving this car as a single safe driver since 2012. <laughs> this is a pickup line, right? Hey ladies, I've got three boys and a cool RAV4. I'm single. Hey. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's been driving it since 2012. Uh, I purchased it practically new with very few miles on it. I've only put 8,000 miles per year, a total of 80,862 at current odometer reading. Anyway, uh, KSW from Decatur, Georgia, loves it, and he's single, so I'm assuming it's a he. Maybe it's a woman. I don't know. Can't tell. All right, so RAV4s are the best. And here's another one that I just love. This is great. Uh, it's four stars. Most reliable car I've ever had. This is from I'm Right 67 from Carlinville, Illinois. Actually, it says Illinoisy, but I, I think they mean Illinois. This car is great interior-wise and a very smooth ride to be a part of. I don't care for the outside, but being inside makes you forget what it looks like. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's a positive review? Okay. Anyway, uh, you know, not everybody loves exactly the way it looks, but I, I think they're good looking. Um, and here's the other thing. This was, again, on the 2010 RAV4. This was 149 reviews on cars.com. The overall rating was a 4.6 out of 5. And 94% of drivers recommended this car. Now, I don't know what happened to the other 6%. I mean, I could make an assumption here, like, say, eh, 3% didn't understand the question. 2% voted for Michael Jackson. And 1% said... I'm Batman. Okay, I'm just making that up. I mean, who knows what the other 6% did. 
But again, 94% recommended to purchase the car is a pretty high number, especially for people who've driven the car for a ways. So these are very popular. People like them. They tend to be reliable overall. However, no car is perfect, and the third-gen RAV4 is not perfect. In fact, it does have a couple of issues that you really need to know about and some others that you should just be aware of, uh, especially when you're doing a pre-purchase inspection or looking at the car for the first time. So let's talk about those right now. Okay, so as I just mentioned, no car is perfect. No used car is going to be trouble-free. And over time, issues that you can't anticipate when the car is new do start to come up later. But say 70,000, 100,000, 150,000 miles. And those that are part of a repeating pattern, I mean, anything, any part can fail in a car. Any car, new car, used car, doesn't matter. But over time, you start to see a pattern and you go, okay, this is a problem. This is a thing to look out for. It doesn't mean that the car has a terminal issue or anything. But there are some things that tend to be more common than others. So let's talk about those. Now, the first two I want to talk about are really an FYI, and they have nothing to do with the car being a problem, but, you know, just something to be aware of. So number one, <laughs> it's not really an issue at all, but the Toyota RAV4 with all-wheel drive, with four-wheel drive, is not an off-road 4x4, okay? I mean, duh, but I'm just going to tell you this. It's not a body-on-frame SUV. It doesn't have low and high-range four-wheel drive. And the four-wheel drive that it does have is really an on-demand system, and it only sends power to the rear wheels when the front wheels start to slip a bit. So most of the time, it's front-wheel drive. The rest of the time, it when it needs it, it's four-wheel drive. Oh, and there's only seven and a half inches of ground clearance. Now, seven and a half inches of ground clearance on a car is a lot. Seven and a half inches of ground clearance on an off-road SUV, like a you know Ford Bronco, isn't great. It's okay, but seven and a half inches of ground clearance, compare it to, say, a Subaru Outback, that's kind of eight and a half inches of ground clearance. So just FYI, not an off-road 4x4, okay? Now, this next thing is, again, another sort of FYI for you. It's not a problem per se, but you just should be aware of it. So a lot of owners complain that their RAV4 on the freeway is noisy. It may be due to where they live. Maybe they live in a place where there's lots of potholes and expansion joints and some of the rougher suspensions, especially on the sport model. Um, that could be causing the problem. This is actually made worse by run-flat tires from that sport appearance package that eliminated the spare tire. So if you have one of those cars, run flats are especially harsh and you might not like them. So, you know, take an extended test drive over a rough road to make sure you can live with it before you buy a sport appearance package model without the spare tire on the back door. Just FYI. Now getting into some more common stuff. Over time, you're going to have things like spark plug coils will wear out. You'll have to replace those. O2 sensors will fail over time. We had this six-cylinder engine similar to this particular six-cylinder that was in our Toyota Highlander. We had a 2009, and during the two years that I owned it, I had to replace one of the O2 sensors. So it's not uncommon, and your car will throw a check engine light. It doesn't actually change the way the car drives. The car continues to drive just fine, but the O2 sensor is something you'd have to replace. Um, evaporative canister. This is part of the emission system. It pulls fumes from the fuel tank into it and then sends them up into the engine to be burned off in the combustion chamber. So when that fails, the car can run funny and it doesn't work well. 
That's kind of a tough part to replace. It's down underneath or near the gas tank under the car. It's kind of a pain. You can get to it. I think it's about $150 or $200 part aftermarket. So just FYI, uh, that could be an issue. That's something you want to have your mechanic check during a pre-purchase inspection. Also on these cars, shocks can fail over time. They start to leak. So look for that. The control arms, or the I guess they call them the tie rods, in the back, that's a recall. I guess the fix is to put epoxy where it connects to the car, rendering it non-adjustable at that point. So you can't change the alignment for the back wheels. And that's kind of a pain. So look for that. If that repair has been done, you might want to avoid that car because you can't adjust the alignment in the back after they do that. Sway bar links in the front can go bad over time. And the front lower control arms can go bad. But again, these are all things that just use and time is going to wear out on any car. So I'm just bringing it up here as an FYI for your pre-purchase inspection. Okay, next up, actually the next two include the one notable exception that I mentioned up front and the one major caveat. So the one notable exception, probably the vehicle you don't want to buy in the Toyota RAV4 third generation lineup is the oil-burning 2006 through 2008 four-cylinder models. Now, there's an engine called the 2AZ-FE. It's the 2.4-liter four-cylinder engine from model years 2006 to 2008. That particular car came with low-tension rings on the pistons, and over time, those can allow for oil blow-by, resulting in increased oil use. Now, every single car will use some oil as you drive it, and that's why you should check your oil on a regular basis, especially on an older car, a car with higher mileage. Uh, you get some oil blow-by, and you'll go through some oil. It'll be down a half a quart over, say, a 1,000 miles. But in this particular car, it burns a lot more oil. I shouldn't say burn. It actually blows by. Anyway, one option is to just keep checking it and adding oil. And apparently these are very good motors, with the exception of this low-tension piston ring issue. The other option is to replace the pistons and rings and reseal the engine, which is expensive. It requires a lot of work. You have to literally pull the engine out from underneath the car. It's something a mechanic's going to do, right? And I'm going to link to a video that shows how that's done. This is a guy called The Car Care Nut. His channel is on YouTube, and he does a lot of these videos. He's actually a Toyota technician that now has an independent shop. And he has a really long, in-depth video that explains this particular issue. So I think it's definitely worth checking out if you're considering one of these things. But then the final thing that you can do, if you find a 2006 to 2008 model that you like, it's in good condition, it seems to run well, is if it's already been fixed. There was a... I think it was called a technical service bulletin. And some cars, if they burn more than a quart of oil per thousand miles, Toyota would fix it. There was a period of time when they would fix it. They would make this $3,000 repair, $4,000 repair. It's expensive. Anyway, so if you find one that's been fixed and has paperwork from a Toyota dealer to prove it, only a Toyota dealer was certified to make that particular repair. Now, an independent shop can do the repair as well, but it won't be a technically a Toyota repair. Anyway, check for that. It's the 2AZ-FE 2.4-liter four-cylinder engines between 2006 and 2008. And then the final thing I want to mention is the potential for oil leaks in the six-cylinder models. This is the major caveat. Now, the 2006 through 2008 six-cylinder engines had a VVTI, that's the variable valve timing oil hose, that had a rubber section that could leak. And over time, that rubber breaks down and starts leaking oil. 
later models, you know, 2009 and on don't have that hose. So that's less of an issue. And a lot of cars that have the six-cylinder engine from 2006 to 2008 have had that hose replaced. So you want to look for that. Again, make your mechanic aware when they're doing their pre-purchase inspection. Now, any six-cylinder engine can have an oil leak, but this particular car leaks from the valve timing cover, which you would think, oh, just remove the timing cover and reseal it. Well, that's easy. The problem is you can't get to it with the engine in the car. The fix is to remove the entire engine and reseal it. Now, you can imagine that taking an engine out of a car is expensive, and you're right. And it literally drops out from the bottom of the car. So you have to take it to a mechanic. They put it up on a lift and then remove all the parts and then literally drop it down and put it on a on a roller and roll it out and then make those repairs. It's a $30 gasket set. It's, I don't even think it's a gasket. It's like sealer. If it's leaking a little bit, that's fine. You just sort of let it go. But if it's leaking a lot, then you're going to have to do that work. And again, it's expensive. Uh, again, I'm going to link to a video from the Car Care Nut channel on YouTube that explains this particular repair so you can get a sense of what it is and whether or not it's an issue for you. Again, I'm just telling you these things so you can make your mechanic aware when you do a pre-purchase inspection. And you should be doing one when you buy any used car. we've gone over the things that can go wrong with this generation of RAV4. And again, I'm not trying to scare you off. I'm just trying to make you an informed consumer so you know that there's issues. But again, every car has issues. These are not troublesome cars in the big picture. And that's why they have a 94% approval rating on that cars.com reviews that I was talking about earlier. So, you know, they're good cars, but there's things to look out for. But again, assuming I haven't scared you off, let's talk about what features and packages to look for in a 2006 through 2012 third gen RAV4. So first off, I want to say, get the newest best condition example you can find in your price range. So that's going to be like, I would definitely start with 2009, maybe skip the 06 through 08 models, but you know, 2009, 2010, 11, and 12. I would go for a 2011, 2012, if it was me personally. I would avoid the early four-cylinder 2006 through 2008 models unless the repair has been done professionally by a shop that you know and they have receipts to, you know, to prove the repair, or it's been done by Toyota. Early six-cylinder with the metal rubber oil line for the valve timing, I would look to see that that's been repaired. And if it hasn't been repaired, then I would factor that into my price negotiation. I'd say, hey, this is a, a problem waiting to happen. You can just contact uh, the dealer and ask them what it would cost to replace that, and they'll tell you. Uh, so you can factor that into your negotiation. So I, I wouldn't necessarily avoid the early six-cylinder cars, but just you know, be aware of that metal line for the variable valve timing system. And then finally, my recommendation is that you focus your attention, you focus your purchase on getting a 2009 through 2012 V6 with four-wheel drive. Now, I also think getting the 2009 through 2012 four-cylinder model with four-wheel drive would be fine. If two-wheel drive is all you need, then I guess get it. But in the long run, the fuel economy difference is only a couple miles per gallon overall. It's not that big of a deal. So I would go for the horsepower. 269 horsepower, 246 pound-feet of torque in a little small compact SUV like this. When you go step on the accelerator, you're going to say to yourself, I am so happy that I got the V6 with four-wheel drive. This is such a great compact SUV.
Okay, so let's say that you're inspired. You want to go find one of these things. What are you going to pay for one? What is it going to cost you? Well, the good news, if you own a Toyota RAV4 from the third generation, is that these vehicles really hold their value pretty well. The bad news, if you're looking to buy one, is that these vehicles hold their value pretty well. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, they're going to be more expensive than some other cars in this year and type of vehicle, okay? So you might be able to find something between, say, $5,000 and $8,000, but I would expect that most of the RAV4s you would find in that price range are not going to be very good. They're going to have some of these issues I've talked about, maybe all of the issues I've talked about, and that's going to cost you more than what it costs to buy the car just to fix those, to repair those. I wouldn't expect to find something in that range. You could get lucky. I'm not saying you can't, but I wouldn't expect it. Moving up to, say, $8,000 to $10,000, I think you can find something good in that range. It's going to be tough, but I think you can do it. There are going to be maybe one or two issues you'll have to deal with with the car, or, or it's going to have higher mileage. That's not a bad starting point. But I would expect that the really good RAV4s, including some six-cylinder four-wheel drive models, are going to be between, say, 10000 to 12500 that's where I would sort of expect to pay. That's kind of my sweet spot, if you will. Moving up from that, 12500 to 15000 that's probably going to be the best private party RAV4s with low miles, six-cylinder engine, four-wheel drive, limited edition, all the features, everything that you want. That's the range for some of the best. And I'm talking private party. Dealerships can, you know, they're kind of all over the place. Sometimes they charge on the lower end. Sometimes they ask some crazy prices. But crazy would be like, you know, 18000 Why would you pay eighteen for a car that is 12 years old, 15 years old? I wouldn't do that. And I don't think you should either. Which brings me to the final category, which is $15,000 and beyond. Now, you can pay that much, but here's the question. Why? Are you lazy? Are you in a big hurry? Well, if you're not, just take a little bit of time. And when I say a little bit of time, you know, take a week or two, a couple weeks, you know, maybe over the next month, you start to look. And if you're in a major metropolitan area, you should be able to find affordable RAV4s. They will come up for sale. The best ones will sell quickly. They're going to go fast, you know, day or two. Somebody's going to buy one. But if you start to look and start to look consistently, you can find one of these. Realistically, I would expect to pay about 12000 now, I've seen a few in the last couple of days, and just looking casually, I thought, you know, that's the one I would buy. And they were more like mm, 13 5 maybe 14 But I also found one, oh, I found one in Montana, Billings, Montana. It was $11,000, and it was a great option. It only had 85,000 miles on it. It was the four-cylinder, but it did have four-wheel drive, and it, had, it was a limited model. So, I mean, that's what you can find. But again, I'd expect to pay around 12000 Well, that wraps up this episode on the third-generation Toyota RAV4, sold in the U.S. for model years 2006 through 2012. This versatile, efficient, compact SUV came in many flavors, from base to sport to limited models, and was available with various engines, transmissions, and drive modes. But I recommend that you set your sights possibly on a 2.5-liter four-cylinder model, or definitely on the 3.5-liter six-cylinder model from 2009 to 2012 with four-wheel drive. Configured in that manner, you'll have one of the most sporty and fun-to-drive third-generation RAV4s available, as long as you find one that's been well-maintained. 
And with that, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and follow this podcast so I can keep bringing you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs available at a price you'll love. Also, be sure to join me next time for a look at how expensive cars and trucks have become and the crazy amount of money people across the country are willing to spend just to get behind the wheel. And until then, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.